0: to the Serpent Temple <laughs> Weekly Review. This week we're going to be making sounds that we're not supposed to make and then I'm going to announce the albums we're going to review. We're going to be reviewing three albums. The first one is the 1973 album by Magma called Mechanic Destructive Commando. The second one is going to be by Igor and that album is the 2017 release uh, Sinusoid
1: Savage Sinusoid
0: there we go there we go I'm a, I'm a big igor fan but i don't know anything about the album names apparently the third album is the 2021 release by dark throne called eternal hails but let's start with magma what did you think of this Floyd?
1: oh jesus christ this is a weird <laughs> fucking album it's really really out there um so, I mean, there's a few facts about this album I thought I found were really cool. So you've got... Firstly, it's produced by Giorgio Kamelski, who is the owner of the Craw Daddy bar where the Rolling Stones were the in-house band. Oh, damn. So I thought it was quite a cool fact. Yeah. I've always been more of a Rolling Stones than a Beatles fan myself.
0: I like both. Yeah. I think I, mean, I like Stones marginally more.
1: Yeah. I've never been a, a massive fan of both, but uh, mm. it's neither here nor there um yeah and this they um so they've got a i'm going to attempt to pronounce this um sound that they've cultivated and created here which is referred to as Zul, which i believe i've read online on wikipedia the um if i can be and end all of facts yes and information It's how it's pronounced but yeah um like i have said this so many times every time we review an album from the 70s or early 70s whatever and but it's This must have blown so many minds (laughs) when this came out at this time. Like, I can't imagine how anybody could have listened to this. There's one track in particular, which musically, it's quite a simple track. Yeah. So it is Nabeer Gudat, which might have been, which I think was the sixth track on the album.
0: Indeed. It's on this... I've got it as side two track two. I forgot, yeah,
1: this is back in the days where there was sides on albums. Yeah, Yeah. That was when you had to turn things over to get more music that's such an alien concept now can you, you couldn't fit music onto something so big you <laughs> had to use both sides whereas now you've got a tiny chip that can have the music in the world but um yeah so this is quite like um there's a lot of jazz influence on this album which I thought was kind of cool like i can hear some coltrane isms in a lot of the music which i thought was super cool and i think um this particular track that i'm referring to um and this has got to be one of the earliest examples i think of some seriously harsh vocals being used because this track has some like actual like proper dsbm style frenzied screams i mean the vocals are quite extreme yeah on the album anyway because it's quite histrionic a lot of the time there's a lot of operatic vocals both male and female that are just kind of working in in harmony and just uh, just kind of accentuating the already quite bizarre music but I think there was something really cool about this track in the way that it's quite uh it's quite just a normal like a lulling jazzy beat this track but then you had all this really ridiculous vocals over the top of it so I thought it was quite a, quite a jarring mix but I actually really enjoyed it actually really reminds me of I think I might mention this band on the podcast before but a, a German band called Bethlehem Mm -hmm. who uh founded the dark metal genre which is like an offshoot of black metal but they have similarly very histrionic and extreme vocals so but overall the entire album i thought was um just fantastic actually i really love weird shit like i was saying before and this definitely tickles and satiates that weird part of my brain
0: i'm really happy you like this because i was worried i'd suggest and you'd be like the fuck is this shit
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's do you know what I think um I went through a phase and uh, it's funny that we're actually reviewing Igor today as well because I think around about the um, the early 2010s I went through a phase of just saying you know what I've got fast internet let me find as much weird shit as I can I have the pandora's boxes open and um and you know I think I kind of fucking peaked when I discovered that that album uh, yeah I might have mentioned this before Stala S-T-A-L-A-A-G-H-H, I think.
0: Oh, I think I've heard, I think you sent me the YouTube video. But
1: yeah, it's an album called Project Misentropia. Yeah. And it's, it's all the vocals are samples of um, actual legit screams from a mental ward. Yes. And I was like, well, nothing's ever going to be weirder and more unsettling and fucked up than this. <laughs> so like, <laughs> and this is the apex. So. so no, so this album wasn't too weird. Good. But, um, and there's some parts I really enjoyed. I really like the first track, it might even be my f- favorite track on the album. And uh, it's also worth mentioning that um, they've created their own language. Indeed. For the majority of the lyrics and song titles, which is referred to as Kabayan.
0: Indeed, it is.
1: Which is a term meaning celestial. And uh, it's, uh, it's, I think, at some point, one member of the band. Presumably, uh, Christian Vander, who I think is the mastermind yeah. behind the project, he said it's uh, meant this, the the name of the language is meant to be kind of percussive and vibratory. So, um, and I think that's definitely reflected in the music because a lot of the vocals are very percussive and quite stabby at times in terms of how they, you know, kind of flow in and out of the music.
0: Definitely, yeah. I, I heard it described as a language of the heart where the meaning is is more in the sound as opposed to the so-called words themselves. And there's only one known translation uh, that was officially released by the band that was with the first pressing of this album, this particular one, which isn't their first album that they wrote. Um, but since then, they've been like very secretive about... They've they've kind of given some unofficial translations and some like semi-official translations, but their later works they didn't say what stuff yeah. meant, so people kind of have to guess.
1: Have you listened to their earlier albums? Or? Bits and
0: pieces. I've been listening yeah. to them for a long time, but this is yeah. usually the album I go to.
1: Yeah, because it's. Um, I think I remember reading somewhere that there was like a trilogy of albums, because it's like a it's like a space opera, of sorts.
0: I think they had. It's. I think it's a bit, maybe a bit more than a trilogy. I think they had quite a few. Was it like. um Oh, did I write this down? But it's like a huge saga. It's literally like a space epic saga with this yeah. overarching storyline. I don't know if you read about the actual storyline. It's really fascinating.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's it was quite overwhelming with everything with the made-up <laughs> language and um, being yelled at and screamed at your ears while this weird <laughs> proggy, jazzy music is playing. But um, I think um, I did read somewhere that this album is... Um, covering the, um, I think it's leaving one of the planets.
0: Yeah, so basically the the majority of their albums, apart from I think their last three or four, maybe around that, basically um, chronicle like a race leaving their planet, finding a new one, settling down, and then finding like more settlers arrive. Yeah. at the planet and they kind of have to like um, work things out and then people from earth come and beg them to come back and help save earth basically so a small group of them go to earth and the they like te- they talk to the earth people about this planet that they're on and how how things work they're on i think it's like Kabaya. Um, and they're like, yeah, you know, this is... They focus on, like, spiritual cleansing, to quote, which is a bit of a weird word for me, but it's kind of that kind of vibe. Um, the Earth people are like, nah, I'm going to put you in prison now. Yeah. Um, so they get imprisoned on Earth, and they manage to... the, the spaceship gets impounded, which is such a weird <laughs> thing to uh, read. It's like, oh, you've you got to pay a fine. Just imagine a tow
1: truck coming in, picking up a fucking spaceship.
0: <laughs> like a big clamp. Uh, uh. <laughs> but, yeah, they managed to send out, like, a... a, a cry for help to their home planet so they come and rescue them but the people the the handful of people that they apparently spent time with on earth remember the lessons um that they gave them so some people start to pass down the message they sent and then generations later eventually earth kind of gets the memo and starts like doing it all good and stuff um but yeah i think the overarching theme is like this you know space um space refugees and colonization and things like that
1: yeah that's pretty wild, man. Did I think um, probably around that time? When did the first Star Wars film come out? I'm a total noob. I have never seen Star Wars. Oh, I can't Wars, fucking so. remember. It was it? 70s, right? Late 70s,
0: uh, maybe mid. I feel I don't know. It was bigger in the 80s, was it? Yeah, I don't remember. But I feel honestly.
1: like sci-fi was like quite a prominent thing around about that time. Sci-fi right. was
0: huge. I think after 2001, Space, Space Odyssey, Odyssey, which I think was like what 71. I might let me Google this. Because I could be, I could just be full of Let's shit. Pull
1: that shit up.
0: Pull it up. Two thousand one, a space odyssey, released in two. It's nineteen sixty-eight. I was, that was yeah. a few years. That's good. That was good. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, that was like the Kubrick years. Oh, man, that film is R- remind amazing. Remind me, was that
1: before he, or after he helped film the uh, moon landing? <laughs> it was uh...
0: moon landing. Was what in the sixties, wasn't it? Yeah. Moon landing was that sixty-five, sixty-six oh god 59 i'm damn that's i can't believe i didn't know that wow 59 that's just blowing my mind i'm sorry i've just realized that we like, yeah I, I mean i guess it makes sense that people just having joy rides in space now we did that like Oh my God, I'm having an existential crisis oh. on this podcast.
1: Allegedly did it. No, I'm joking. I'm just fucking. <laughs>
0: we filmed the first yeah. one. In, uh... Yeah,
1: don't say that in front of, I think it was Buzz Aldrin, who I think he <laughs> ma- he makes a habit of, of punching people that really? question, question him to his face.
0: Bless him. Yeah. Bless his heart. I love that guy. That's that awesome. Um, but yeah, this. I think this particular album um, is about like a prophet on Kabaya who um, I can't, man, I've completely forgotten what's going on in this particular album, but basically he's, like, saying stuff um, to be like, you guys have got to, like, sort your shit out spiritually or you're fucked, and there's this, like, huge army marching against him, Um, and eventually, like, he turns the army in his favour so that the chorus starts to favour his voice. He's got, like, a cool name. I think I found it potentially um there are, uh, his m- so in this album his messages to the people of earth that their only salvation from an ultimate and certain doom is through self-purification and communication with the divine spirit of the supreme being the kron korman with this album you'll introduce the story of theus Hamtark. literal translation time of hatred that's pretty metal that's a yeah. good band name for real that's a real good band name for some people out there who may be looking for one right now um so concerning the period of time of Earth, between the Kobayan visit, where they get, like, um, abducted, and the celestial march for enlightenment led by Naber Gudat, which concludes this album. Damn. So there you go. So I guess uh, it's a, a, like an album about prophecy and rejection.
1: Yeah. It's uh, that's some cool shit. That's my two cents there. Some cool shit. <laughs> there what, what, what did you think of the music on this album? Because i have had a bit more time to digest this than I have. I've had a few days. So it's... Uh, <laughs>
0: I've been living with this album for like a, over a decade now. Um, I just fucking love this band. The, the m- musical aspects um, are just fantastic. The language basically allows um, for greater musical expression because you're not constrained by, like, you're not constrained by so language is designed mostly to be spoken.
1: No. So
0: the way we speak language isn't always as effective when it's sung. Whereas this is the other way around. This language was designed to be sung, which I think is really fascinating because linguistically that's like, I've not encountered anything like that before. Um, And it is so expressive. Like you don't really need to read lyrics to know what's going on in the album. Even if you don't know like the storyline, you can really feel the urgency and the like marching and ominous nature of things. And then like these beautiful choruses, like literally like, as you say, vocally, really interesting. You've got a lot of really operatic stuff, sometimes, like, very Italian style, very Baroque style, and then it's, like, also really industrial as as well. And you've got these vocals that are so very similar to Igor in that they're, like, very operatic, but they're very distorted at the same time. They, like, teeter on distortion, which technically is, like, very difficult to do in that kind of register. And then um, you have... Mostly female vocals or soprano, let's say soprano, where it's doing that and then it goes into screaming, which is for 1973, pretty fucking like ahead of its time.
1: Yeah, I can imagine this would have turned off a lot of people when they heard it. That's interesting, like the point you make about language and I think um, and words, I think... Totally, I could see how that could be so restrictive at times because we've talked multiple times about how you have to change your vowel sounds to, pron- to pronounce a word.
0: Yeah, to project like, really well when yeah. you're singing. Yeah. So
1: if you take that away and just make the noise or the sounds that you want to make and get your message across that way, which I'm, which is, it seems as as though that's what this language is allowing them to do mm. through their music. So, and I think that's just can be so much more impactful sometimes. I think it's important to have words and language sometimes because obviously it's a reference point for a lot of people in terms of relating to music. I think more so outside of the realms of sort of like guitar-based music, more like pop music, you know, and even even hip-hop, for example. Like, you know, that's all about connecting to the lyrics and the lyricism. And Mm. I enjoy good lyricism, but I also equally enjoy people making the weirdest noises <laughs> imaginable
0: it's like the the celtic frost ooing of uh <laughs> of the 70s and that yeah. has you know those it's funny because like we take the piss out of it but it's the same kind of deal like he's not he doesn't need to use language he's he's communicating this like sense through that guttural caveman-y sound right yeah. and then you've got like the years of caius and metallica yeah. which you know doesn't mean anything apart from like the feeling that it conveys yeah. which i think is funny um and i really like that this is like a coming from a pure, pure is such a weird word to use in this context, coming from a place where the language has no prior meaning. Mm. So it's like completely new. It's like a new sound um, in a new context where there's like nothing else. um, There's no other like linguistic interconnection necessarily, although I guess there is because um, the language is a mixture of Slavic and Germanic languages. So there's that too.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, like, the German, like, the Germanic aspects, I can hear straight away. Like, I yeah. was surprised to hear that they were from France, like, at first. I actually looked at the song titles before I realised that they weren't actually German words at first. And I was like, oh, this group's German, or at least writing the music in German, before I realised, oh, no, wait, this is um, some whole other shit.
0: <laughs> some whole other shit.
1: And you missed out, of course, you were talking about, like, kind of vocal um, kind of ticks for lack of a better term, and you missed out <laughs> David Draymond.
0: Of course.
1: Over the, over the, over the, ooh, ah, ah. I just I mean, thought
0: just... he was sick, that's all, sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember watching, um, I think it was, uh, you know, those Loudwire uh, fact or fiction videos. Yeah. I went through a phase where I was just like binge watching them. <laughs> and um, I think um, on Wikipedia at one point it said that he got that noise and he was inspired by monkey noises, <laughs> at like some <laughs> Chicago zoo somewhere. he was just like... <laughs> He was like, no, that's not the fucking case, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Didn't it just like come out of him when he was recording it? Uh, that's that basically what he
1: said, yeah. He just he just he just said what felt right at the time. So you know And
0: sometimes that is just what feels right.
1: Yeah, and it's the noise of a generation.
0: <laughs> it's the noise I will hear echoing in my mind as the life slowly ebbs out of my body in about fifty to hundred years time. Um, so regarding magma, it's really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> 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 it's an existential one today. Fifty to
1: a hundred—that's optimistic.
0: I know, uh, right? It's more like five days yeah. to ten. <laughs> but yeah, Christian Vander is a really interesting figure as well. Um, he kind of formed Magma after the death of John Coltrane because he wanted to fill in the void um, in, like, to refer to his words um, left by the death of Coltrane, which is
1: that's so cool. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of glad that I picked up on the Coltraneisms because I could totally hear it. Yeah, that's only through my partner. Is my partner's dad is obsessed with Coltrane, so. Mm. so whenever I used to stay over,
0: I love Coltrane. I would I
1: would, I would hear his music permeate in my dreamscapes. <laughs> I just think, what the fuck is going on? And I woke up as so I listened to Coltrane again.
0: I actually have Coltrane on vinyl to sound like a so like I have more vinyl than I actually have because I only have like twenty. But yeah, I, I really like his work. Oh. Mm. Um, and interestingly, people who have been inspired by magma, and this keeps coming up and surprising me, Michael Ackerfeld of Opeth.
1: There he goes, the big Mike.
0: Every time I suggest a 70s album and I look at the Wikipedia, also influences Michael Ackerfeld, and I'm like, oh, I have the exact same taste, apparently. Maybe you're
1: Michael Ackerfeld from a from a different multiverse. That I'm was...
0: Michael Ninafeld. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, very funny. <laughs>
1: Or to go by your name and strategy for your Pokemon Nina, Nina, <laughs> Nina, Nina, <laughs> Nina felt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One day I'm just going to like, just, that's all the, the only word I'll say. I'll just invent a new uh, language and I won't <laughs> tell anyone. Like
1: hold all Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nina D's nuts.
1: Um, oh, oh. <laughs> hello.
0: Hello, I'm so funny. Shem <laughs> just sent me a message saying this is now a Michael Ackerfeldt podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love fucking love OPEF I'm not gonna. We need to do an OPEF special one day because I feel like that's too, it's too much to cover OPEF Yeah, one OPEF album without talking about all the other shit that they've done.
0: That'll be fun.
1: A few bands like that, OPEF, Carcass, Enslaved,
0: Agagoga
1: Akakoka, yeah. of course.
0: This is also an Akakoka podcast. To be fair, anyway. Yeah.
1: See, that was a problem. I think when we review Akakoka and Death, I was just—I kept going back to previous albums. Right. The fuck! I just can't talk about one album. It's impossible.
0: It's true. It's true.
1: Um, one thing I kind of picked up on—I read a few reviews for this album, and a lot of people were comparing it to Carl um, Orff's um, *Carmina Burana. Burana*. Burana, yeah. Have
0: you? Uh, that's, I love that piece of music. See,
1: I've only listened to, and obviously through popular culture, the *O Fortuna*, the... <laughs> That's <laughs> going to sound so shit on them. On Mike These are
0: wonderful mics. You'll sound
1: great. Yeah. But, you know, like, and I totally, because obviously there's, um, when you listen to this album, you could totally hear that there's some real, like, influence from, there's a lot of choral work and a lot of composer-esque elements. And, like, it was once I was reading the reviews and saw that people were making that comparison, I was like, yeah, like, the, the penny dropped in my head as well. So, yeah, I could totally hear mm. where they're getting that from.
0: It's a total rock opera. This reminds me a lot of like um, like really kind of psychedelic progressive uh, cartoons and films at the time. Um, yeah. I don't know if you, there was this was this like cartoon. I can't remember the full name. But it was like called Ulysses something, and it was um, literally these guys like on a spaceship going through space, and like they had to repopulate. They were trying to find a planet to repopulate, yeah. um, and they were all like Greek gods and shit. It's pretty fucking sick. Um, yeah. It's it's really like heavy metal magazine style, like heavy. The actual magazine called Heavy Metal. Ulysses 31, that's the one. Yeah, I've got a graphic book of that.
1: Yeah, just that era had some really weird cartoons. There was another really weird cartoon that my dad used to talk about called Crystal Tips and Alistair. Hmm. And it was a total... I think it was about, like, fucking this girl with a flying dog. And so it was totally, like, just watching, like, an acid trip. (laughs) It was wild.
0: (laughs) That is pretty wild. I like that. I wish there was a way of, like, not doing acid... But having like a VR acid trip that you can just like watch on YouTube and be like, if you had an acid trip, this is what would happen. And you could just like program it.
1: Funny you say that. I've, I've definitely mentioned part of this before, but um, my mum took me to this festival she used to go to in um, when we were young called the Mind. has <laughs> <Shem's> gone already. <laughs> it's called the Mind, Body, and Spirit Festival. And um, they had the simulation machine, which would simulate a near-death experience.
0: Oh, my gosh. And uh,
1: that's what gave me my first taste of existential dread. Oh, my gosh. That was pretty wild. Like, it was pretty trippy. And I was maybe about eight or nine. What
0: the fuck?
1: And um, and it was, yeah, that was some wild shit. So that was kind of like something akin to a VR acid trip. She also had this VHS tape. I can't remember what it was called. It was brain something, like brain warp or some weird shit and it was just loads of psychedelic images but I think it was a VHS of sort of digital effects created just to purely accompany those taking LSD and that was wild as well.
0: Damn I mean wow the first time I ever felt existential dread and realized I was going to die and never like experience life for an eternity was when I watched the Hercules Disney movie at the age of five.
1: I have not seen the Hercules Disney film but it's
0: Spoiler alert, it is very good. I I made my mum take me to the cinema to watch it five times because I definitely wasn't autistic. Um, And basically, at the end of the film... Um, I think like the lady, I can't remember her name, she like dies and you see her soul being like swept down into the underworld in this like whirlpool of souls and Hades is like, ha, ha, ha. And Hercules is like, I'll never see my love again. You're like, wait, people die? And I remember going home and like sitting in my room and crying and seeing this like swirling whirlpool of souls in my mind and realizing that like when I close my eyes, that's what death will be, but forever. And my mum walks in and she's like, why are you crying? And I was like, I'm going to (laughs) die.
1: It was great. That that was Watership Down for me. That oh, film fuck. was fucking traumatizing. Fuck.
0: Animals of Farthing Wood.
1: Yeah, that was like a spiritual successor to to Watership Down. That was there was a. Do you know there was actually a scene in that that really freaked me out as a child, and it was so simple. It was um, it was so long ago. I'm talking literally three decades ago. But it was um, there was a there was a bit where they were running from this like evil fucking. It might have been a fox or some form of like an evil animal. And it just popped up out of nowhere, a bit like a jump scare, and it freaks the shit out of me.
0: Oh, my God. I,
1: told them, like, I couldn't watch it again after that because it freaked me out so much.
0: You know, some of the scariest kids' TV was Pingu. Do you oh, ever... Pingu was great. Yeah, I love Pingu. Honestly, I adore Pingu. And, um, but there was one episode where Pingu, I think, has, like, a nightmare, and, like, Pingu's bed starts walking and, like, growing and then, like, shrinking, and then a gigantic seal emerges from, like nowhere and is like looking down on Pingu as I Pingu like flees through the tundra
1: I do not remember that episode he, The Pingu might have been influenced by magma because they were speaking their own made up language <laughs> as well it's true newtonese. and they, they literally but,
0: are saying like mag mag all the time <laughs>
1: yeah the episode of Pingu I remember is the one where he gets drunk and pisses on the floor <laughs> <laughs> that was just gold that was some good shit oh,
0: Pingu. I, I really love Pingu's mum and like the little Pingu kid with his cute little oh, eyelashes so cute yeah, yeah the little baby
1: penguin yeah I yeah, know pingu
0: that's great so uh, magma is fantastic christian vander is actually adopted by a french jazz musician oh no way yeah so i think that's really interesting he basically grew up with a, a famous french jazz musician um and i guess that was a huge influence on his his future work and his art he also had a, a project after this where he he like went more into like more modern music and wasn't as experimental with the called um the offering uh, i haven 't listened to that one though, so I guess I should check it out after this but it 's interesting I think um one thing i 'll also note is on this on this album they had a stage manager when they were recording it in oh. the recording liner, which is pretty cool and they have a lot of they have obviously a lot of vocalists they have one, two, three, four, five, about six vocalists they have organ percussion, multiple organ players, multiple brass players, flute players, clarinet. And about five engineers as well.
1: Yeah, it's. um, I heard a lot of. Yeah, there was some quite interesting and cool percussion going on. It sounded like a glockenspiel at times, or a xylophone, or a glockenspiel, whichever one it was. But it sounded like some sort of tuned percussion instrument.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's so much going on. It's like it's not chaotic. that that single I sent you, the black metal single for them.
1: Oh, Mistress.
0: Mistress, the yeah. side project of Spectral Law.
1: Spectral Law, got it right. I got it right. Hell yeah, Spectral yeah. Law. <laughs>
0: That's the first and only. <laughs> but it, like that was that was like chaotic, whereas this is like similarly busy, um, but also it's not chaotic. It's very ordered, and yeah. it's like a battle between the prophet and the people, and eventually the people like switch to his side. So the chorus is like it's his space chorus, whereas at the beginning it's like like a war
1: of ideas. Okay. Uh, do you know, I think that that's a very good point. I think that's probably largely helped by the fact they've got um, the, uh, obviously Christian Vander does the drums, I've got listed here. There's both vocals, organs and percussion. They've and got Yannick Top, who I think was a bass player for a mm-hmm. prolonged period of time. He was one of the the one of the mainstay members of the band and the rhythm section in this is great like some of the bass work and drum work is fantastic and i think does a good job of holding it together and i think you know when you've got something so chaotic you need that tight rhythm section yeah that glue to hold it together because otherwise it just becomes an absolute fucking mess totally um one of my favourite points in the album I want to mention real quick, which I was actually gonna say earlier but I just completely went off tangent. It was mm-hmm. on the first track and I'm not even gonna try and butcher the, the name of it.
0: I can I can give it a because I love I love trying. Go on. It's Hurtsford den oh fuck. Stecken West. I think. It's just loads of hats on things and dots.
1: But so there's a moment, I'd say from about six forty five to about seven minutes, seven and a half minutes in, that is really see, I love horns, right? And I think they're one of the most ominous sound instruments ever. And when they're used properly, it could just be such sinister sounding and just, and they had this section, which sounded like, I mean, keep it in mind, listen to this in 1973 would have been just absolutely fucking unreal. Mm. But then it just transitioned into like this really happy groove that sounded a bit like Rush. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck has gone on in this album? Just absolutely mental. There's so many moments in it that just really threw me for a loop, like the aforementioned, like just the vocal histrionics of that track that later track in the bar, Goodat, And um, yeah, I really liked the closer to the album as well. There's some really great piano work on it and um, just really just some really anthemic use of sort of choral vocal patterns and stuff. It's just, oh, it's just wild. Just need to listen to this some more though just to fully digest it because it's so much to take in. Like I've listened to the album twice nice. and second time it was definitely a lot easier to digest because I knew what yeah. was coming. Because at first listen, I was just like, okay, this is pretty wild. And um, <laughs> it's a weird fucking week this week. So we've got Eagle coming up as well, <laughs> which is similarly chaotic and fucking wild.
0: Definitely. But in a more modern sense. This is definitely a. Um, Eagle was 100% very heavily in- inspired Had to have by been this band. Right. Yeah, so, a, yeah, a lot of bands are. And there's still, as a genre of Zul, I'm probably mispronouncing it, but the band Zhao. Um, And a a bunch of other bands as well. Um, Some Japanese bands, a lot of French bands, they're all inspired by this. And there's a a full-on genre of other bands with sung in this language as well.
1: I mean, you know you're an influential band when you've got your own genre. Yeah. After you shout out to Meshuggah and Gent, (laughs) um, (laughs) They're
0: so happy about that.
1: But um, it's funny, you mentioned Zao. So it's not the American metalcore band Zao, it's a Japanese band called Zao.
0: That's the Zao that I knew. And when everyone was talking about the American Zao, I thought they were talking about the Japanese Zao.
1: Yeah, so I was the opposite, because I saw Zao, and I was just like, Zao? I was like, <laughs> but it was the, um, yeah, yeah, as you said, the other one.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting, that because I can hear some kind of Japanese-style vocal stuff going on in, in this album, um, and when I first heard it, like, I think I first heard it and I didn't see the song names, I think I just found it on YouTube, I thought it was a Japanese band, Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I, I was probably in like, an Osama Kitajima, like, role, and I saw this, and I was like, what's that? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean if you have listened you must have listened to Melt Banana before and stuff, right?
0: Pretty sure I have, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean like uh, some of the Japanese some facets of the Japanese scene are just absolutely bonkers as well. Yeah. They they they're great at creating some absolutely wild shit.
0: Absolutely. I mean there's some like Ben Zaiten moments on this for sure as well. Oh
1: yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. That's such a good album. I love Ben Zaiten.
0: I'm glad you do. <laughs>
1: <Exactly>. <laughs> a bit Tom G warrior-esque.
0: <laughs> you just created your own your own <laughs>
1: My own genre. It's called
0: <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first. Birth of a genre. <laughs> so shall we move on to Igor's
1: Let's do it, let's do it.
0: Savage sinusoid.
1: So um Had you listened to this album previously, prior to?
0: Not this one. I listened to... So I found Igor in, like, 2011, 2012, I think, around then, um, because I had a huge, like, gent phase. um, And, like, I really loved it. I was listening to this in a band called Gaslamp Killer a lot, which is, like, similar. They used a lot of samples. Back then, Igor was using more samples as well. Um, And I just love that chaos. Like, have you listened to Venetian snares?
1: I I was going to bring up Venetian snares, yeah. Yeah. It's... um, I've got a friend. Shout out to Rob who um, he attends a lot of, like, fucking... Um, there's, a, there's a festival in, in the Czech Republic, or Czechia now, as it's now known. It's changed three times in my <laughs> lifetime. Um, but it's, um, it's dedicated to um, electronic music. But within that, you know, it's similar to metal, electronic music's got a, a, a vast amount of subgenres and one of them is, like, glitch music and, and break call, which is, like, something I think Igor is quite influenced by and um yeah and he turned me on to venetian snares and nice. i was just like yeah this is some good shit i could get behind this if there was one type of electronic music i could get behind it's this sort of weird and quite intense stuff
0: yeah i really like um that they have they all kind of have the same vibe and that that had like a summer like a few years, really, where I listened to... I think I was at uni, so this kind of music is great for when you're, like, trying to type an essay because it shocks you back into, like... <laughs> I you can't just, sleep to this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, I, I, you'd always go on, like, Wikipedia holes and then, you'd like, some crazy thing would happen in music. You'd be like, oh, shit, I'm writing an essay. I have to stop reading about, like, frogs in 1969 and, like, the <laughs> forest of New Guinea. Um, but, yeah, like, this and... Uh, I listened to loads of Israeli dubstep. I don't know why but like israeli dubstep is really good like infected i need to listen
1: to israeli dubstep now
0: it's great infected yeah. mushroom and Shekel were just like great bands um that time i haven't but the thing is like after that i just didn't listen to them again because listening to that kind of music just reminded me of being at uni and doing essays yeah
1: that's fair but they're yeah.
0: fantastic fantastic bands and eagle's one of them and they always play hellfest i've never seen them play even though i've been to seven they always yeah. clashed with someone
1: well, I know that they've added some. Well, I say say this is like a recent thing because they've just yeah. lost some some live members, but um, <laughs> but they added some uh, live members. I think it was after this album where mm. they decided to take the live aspect of the music a yeah. bit more seriously and had like somewhat of a touring band. Um, yeah, and I've got um, I've got a friend who saw them live and said it was one of the best gigs he's ever seen. So it was Damn. absolutely outstanding.
0: Fantastic! I think they played with uh, Zelena. No.
1: Yeah, it was gonna. There was a really weird bill. I think it was it was Igor Zeyunardo and also um, Author and Punisher.
0: I've never listened to Author and Punisher. So
1: Author and Punisher are really fucking interesting. It's it's a Dutch one man industrial project. So mm-hmm. he's got this instrument he's created by himself. It looks a oh, bit the like the
0: weird knife piano. No, oh, he saws it.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like yeah. something out of like a some fucking demented like woodwork I don't know why I'm using the American term, but like <laughs> a, a woodwork fucking. And tree thing yeah
0: yeah yeah. i, I know the, i've seen pictures of it and there's like sparks flying everywhere right yeah, yeah
1: yeah that's cool but it's just it's yes it was meant to be those three tour and i'm just like that is a fucking wild bill
0: they must be like so tired at the end like going back to their tour buses after playing that crazy music they probably have to listen to like i don't know like chill wave yeah i
1: don't know or yeah. night yeah <laughs> i don't know night call
0: <laughs> night i just call. learned about
1: nightcore like a few months I ago i thought you so.
0: made it up if you were like i don't know Dusk. oh do you know
1: what nightcore is no nightcore is like really well I've, from what i've gathered anyway i could be way off so i apologize to any ardent fucking nightcore fans out there <laughs>
0: no we'll But it's
1: basically like do you remember there was that phase in the uh, early 2000s where they took dance music and they speeded it up with those chipmunk style vocals yeah yeah, yeah
0: yeah, yeah. i think
1: nightcore is like basically the same with like dubstep and drum and bass where they speed it up oh no and it's got that chipmunk style like super and it's just
0: that's upsetting yeah, it's horrific that's so upsetting why so is that that implies that decor is that but really slow yeah damn
1: i think so there you go
0: right
1: i'll ask rob he'll probably know
0: Man, music's incredible with our crazy genres.
1: But uh, but yeah, so Igor is a project by Gautier Serre, I think would be uh, Gautier close. Gautier Serre. Gautier, yeah.
0: I'm making that up. I don't speak French okay. very well. <laughs> yeah.
1: But um, I actually, before we get into this album, I actually wanted to cover a couple of his other projects, which, um, as I was saying, I went through a phase about in the 2010s when I was just trying to discover some weird shit, which is when Igor first came onto my radar. So it would have been about 2012 when they dropped the Hallelujah album which is quite similar to this album. I feel mm. it's got a lot of... I feel like this is a more refined version of what he was trying to do.
0: That's how I felt, because that's like the, probably the first and last album I listened to. Yeah. And then coming back to this, I was like, oh, of course, I like, this is like coming home to Igor, but it's like even yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: just much more... I don't know if accessible is the right word. Digestible, mm. I would say. Yeah. But um, some of his other projects are wild. So one of the other guys in the band, one of the main uh, vocalists, Lorraine Lunoir It's in a project, it's... I don't know how it's pronounced, but it's O-X-X-O space X-O-O-X, which is also the fictional language that a lot of Igor's music, a lot of the lyrics in Igor's music is sung or screamed in as well.
0: I thought it was a hugs and kisses kind of deal, sorry.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's what it looks like. (laughs) They've got little umlauts on it as well. Oh, the
0: umlauts make it not hugs and kisses anymore, yeah.
1: But yeah, that's like, if it's really interesting because I feel like Igor's two projects are like opposite ends of the spectrum of what Igor tries to achieve. Like, this project, O-X-X-O-X-O-O-X, that's a <laughs> catchy name, <laughs> is, um, it's, like, really, like, kind of gothic in ah. doomy. Like, there's still a little bit of electronic, kind of, like, digital effects being used, but it's far more, like, based in sort of, like, gothic metal, and it's quite quite a good project, actually. They've got three albums that are really good. And he was involved in this another project called Hawker, which are, um... Old, the other end of the spectrum so it's like it's like a proper death metal grindcore album mixed nice. with like breakcore and like really glitchy digital effects like french berserker yeah it's literally yeah uh, it's a very good analogy kind of awesome. like a french berserker whereas i feel like igor is kind of like somewhere in the middle of those two projects and uh, but yeah it's worth checking out if you like igor and stuff i would check out other project he's been involved in because there's some good shit there
0: awesome i'm gonna definitely check those out They they sound intriguing as hell
1: but this album in particular, I like it's, um This is one of the tracks on the album, the second track, Eud, I-E-U-D, which is an anagram for the French word for God.
0: Indeed, mon dieu.
1: Um, it's um, one of those videos that was super popular on uh, a lot of reaction channels for a while because it's got a quite a typically bizarre music video to accompany it. So it was one of those tracks that gained a lot of headway and I think introduced a lot of people to Igwar. Igwar? Igwar. Igwar.
0: Igwar. So it's like
1: umgwa, crossover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, it's, um, but the music video for that track is great. But I think this track is probably the best um, representation of what the sound is, because I think it's got a lot of the elements that are quite prominent on this album. Mm. but kind of amalgamated into one quite well-crafted track. Like, you've got super operatic and...
0: It's got harpsichord.
1: Yeah, there's... there's it's um, One of the things I found really interesting on this album is on their personnel list, they've got somebody listed as playing the chicken. Did you see I, that? Yeah, I
0: saw that. It's called, like, what, George or something? Yeah. Or Patrick. That's it, Patrick on the chicken.
1: So there's a, a moment in this track where I think you hear the chicken, and I think it's on the, the next track afterwards, Humus, where... Just before the track goes into a little 8 bit section, yeah. which is something they've explored on their last album as well. They've got a track on the last album, if you haven't heard it, which has Corpse Grinder from Cannibal Corpse on the vocals. <laughs> I
0: was going to say it's got what Travis from Cattle Decap as it's got, well.
1: It's got Travis from Cattle Decap. Who is in my opinion one of the best death metal vocalists. He has got an insane range and can produce some crazy sounds. He sure can. But you, hear, you do hear the chicken quite clearly at the end of that track humus before it goes into transitions into the eight-bit section. but God I mean I'm literally I'm literally like the album at the moment. I'm just all over the shop talking about different aspects of it because <laughs> it's just there's a lot to take in with this album.
0: Yeah, you've also got Morton Iverson who's the live guitarist of Gorgorov Godseen Mayhem, Godseem, Godseed mayhem and 1349
1: yeah so and he is also the current if i'm not mistaken the current guitarist of mayhem as well so he's got a stage name teloc
0: indeed um i really liked the first few tracks in particular a lot the first one reminded me a lot of repo the genetic opera i don't know if you've ever seen it no never it's got um paris hilton in it and some real bangers also anthony head from um buffy buffy and a few other things he's fantastic he's like one of the main characters and he's got a great voice i dig him a lot um it's very cheesy but there's like bits of it that really sound like this track I really love the, the writing of this album. It's, like, so clever. It's, like, constantly developing um, melodies and, and lines. And then you've got, like, the, the harpsichord intro and the way they're manipulating the harpsichord is, like, really interesting too and it's different on every tra- track. And then it comes back in on the bridge. And it's not just harpsichord alone where a lot of um, bands will just have, like, oh, cool instrument on its own and we don't really know how to fit everything in around it. But then it comes back and the guitar's playing around it and they're, like, intertwining really well. And same with all the... The rhythms and the melodies are always doing different things, but they're interacting in a very clever way. I love how complex that is. It's like super, super like, (laughs) bless you, (laughs) bless you. I was trying
1: to save that off for the longest time.
0: (laughs) Floyd on the sneeze.
1: (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, it's like super complex. And I really love this like classically trained Shit at the same time, and then you've got like um, Calliope kind of sounds and the accordion. That's like, I'm sure a shout out to Yann Tiersen, who's like a very famous French composer who did the soundtrack for Amelie. Oh, okay, I really love that um, soundtrack. Cool. It's amazing. Yann Tiersen's music is fantastic, um, and yeah, that that accordion style. But then it's like, then you have the Devon Townsend scream. Yeah. Um, which I feel is like very similar to his voice and the way they've like produced his voice. And you've got like like a saxophone playing um, like a kind of Romani gypsy style melody you'd normally hear on a violin, which is like super confusing to the ear, but in like a cool way. And then you've got like Sephardi Moroccan style um, like melodies on that too. So yeah, I, I just really like that. And then you've got like Opus Brain is, is really Italian. There's like Italian opera style and you've got the soprano, um, which is like very magma-esque where yeah. like it's going into like lingua ignota style distortion yeah. and it's like really really well controlled like fantastic singing like yeah. the support on the voice is really good here and the way the distortion is like always teetering on the edge and then you finally get the screaming is so good it's really really cool to hear that in an operatic context
1: yeah it's yeah very very well said it's um yeah no i totally like how they're using such a wide array of instruments and combining it in ways that Haven't really been explored, like we said with the Harper score. That's like, there's times we've got like furious double pace, double pace, double bass pedals going off at the same time, and uh, (laughs) it's a good job trying to (laughs) contain yourself there (laughs) while you're mid drinking water as well. It's half expecting (laughs) to spit out Triple H style.
0: Not on the mics, hell no. Yeah,
1: (laughs) but it's um, ah, it's just so much wild shit going on this album, and you know, and like a similar point as to what I was making with the Magma album. You know, it's it would be so easy for this just to be a mess and not cohesive but I think it's a real testament to the songwriting and the compositions of the tracks that it's still so like I said not accessible digestible is what I would say like Mm. I think there's enough elements in this album to attract a lot of people like the cast in the wide net I think is as bonkers and as wild as it sounds I think it has Igor as a project has such a wide appeal to various fans whether it be fans of electronic music obviously heavy metal like there's there's some there's some straight up death metal riffs in here there's some straight up black metal tremolo riffs in here like you know there's so many elements from so many different genres which you've touched upon as well like you know like there's there's a big balkan influence as well like it's like i said the whole it's just a lot of folk influences just absolutely just wild
0: i like that how how that's embodied on the album cover it's like a a huge ball of fists just punching each other, <laughs> yeah. and that's the album cover. And it's it's a it's by an artist called Metastasis. So if anyone wants to see it, you can Google that. But yeah, I think that really embodies the the kind of um, clash, but also coexistence of all these different styles. And I think it sounds so fucking cool. I really like that. I know that um, Sarah he cited a troop of Romanian musicians called Taraf de Haiduks as one of his ins- inspirations for this album, as well as Cannibal Corpse and Apex Twin.
1: Yeah, you could 100% hear... <laughs> God's <it's> catching. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Sorry. How dare
1: you interrupt my point? <laughs> um, you could definitely hear the Cannibal Corpse influences, like some of the more mid-paced grooves are just total, total Cannibal Corpse worship in the best possible way. And I don't think Cannibal Corpse get enough credit for being a good death metal band, because I think, you know, they're... I mean, they're definitely one of the purveyors of that kind of problematic lyrical content of the earlier albums. But I think as times went on, they've actually been one of those bands that's kind of maintained relevance. And and actually, some of their later work is some of their best work, I think. And um, and it's, it's weird to say they don't get enough credit because they do, because they're like the most well-known yeah. death metal bands. But I think w- what comes with that is people that... There's a lot of people that don't give them the time of day for that reason. Oh, well, they're so well-known. like They're, they're not as good as, like, saying that this underground band here you know or whatever but um but no yeah it's um i think it, it didn't surprise me that he actually got Cops grinder to guests on the track on the next album because um you listen to some of the heavier parts in this album and it's totally got that mid-paced super groovy kind of like crunchiness that cannibal corpse is kind of known for
0: the production is fantastic on this album i cannot imagine how much of a headache this would have been to mix
1: jeez <laughs> yeah, that would be. been... It's just... Yeah, everything just sounds so crisp. Like what I said, it'd be so easy for this to sound like an absolute clusterfuck. But it, it sounds great.
0: Who's Is it, a, it a Winter Sun that are doing that thing where they crowdfunded like 20,000... 000- you rise for a sauna and they're like, I can't make the album because there are too many tracks on the... Oh, yeah, the- the- <laughs> yeah
1: it was too many, too, too many layers, apparently. So he said he, he had the best iPad or iMac.
0: iPad. iPad. No, Mixed up the the album on an iPad. <laughs> fucking
1: that is impressive. That's some fucking gore grind production there, doing your album on an iPad. But no, he had like the best like Mac computer and um, it still couldn't handle the amount of layers in in the tracks for uh, Time 2, which a lot of Winter Sun fans are still waiting for. <laughs> but, um, but, hey, look, hes 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 he's got a sauna, so his skin's healthy. His pores <laughs> are clear, so...
0: Man, That's we should I'm do at. a Serpent Temple crowdfunder for a fucking... Well, we, ha- we have a Serpent Temple sauna in it right now.
1: Yeah, it's fucking warm.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could just sell Serpent Temple uh, sauna sweat in, like, small glass vials and... Um...
1: Yeah, uh, not to be presumptuous, but I think yours will sell a hell lot quicker than mine.
0: <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to make any assumptions. I'm sure there's there's a, always a market for everything. That's true. It's true. Yeah, I love the Igor album covers so much, man. I love the album cover for Nostril. It's just like a, it's like a weird skin man stroking a poodle. Like, on his... And he's wearing no clothes. Have you seen that yeah. album cover? No, do you
1: know? I'm not too familiar with that album. There you go. It's that's even like, This
0: one's even animated.
1: Oh, shit, yeah. That, was that the album before Hallelujah? Oh, jeez, that, that really threw me. I didn't... <laughs> well, the I fun know is you said moving. it was animated, but, like, until it, I saw it, I was like, well, slowly, that's really freaky. Only,
0: like, a tiny amount of it is animated yeah. and it's, like, kind of creepy because he that, looks like an unwashed bollock. And like, God, that's <laughs> wild. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find out which member of the band had to leave. I forgot which one it is. Um because so, i can't remember if it was like the drummer someone had to leave got fired because they were an anti-vaxxer and they were like we we respect them but they can't be in a band because they can't go on tour with us because they won't have a covid passport so they have to go yeah one of the I singers mean, left as well well
1: that's the thing each country is going to have their own rules and regulations right so it's going to be impossible to travel yeah without it really and it's, um, I still don't know what that landscape's going to look like because I mean, it's fucking there's so many elements that go into touring, right? It's, um,
0: that and Brexit. I think UK is just like no one's going to bother now.
1: Jeez, yeah. yeah, even though apparently Devon Townsend's still flying in for his headline set at Bloodstock. Apparently, they
0: love so. Devon Townsend, yeah, to be fair. Yeah, bless him. I'm glad he's coming. Oh, Devon's great. I love Devon, he's a wholesome guy, he must yeah. be protected at all costs. Um, yeah. but I have talked to some other bands recently, like, um, like you know, good-sized, uh, non-European bands are like, yeah, we're just not going to bother coming to the UK. Because if you're doing a European tour and you're coming to the UK, the amount of stuff you're doing is just not worth it. You may as well just continue and, and do something else in Europe. Um, so I think bands will probably come to the UK to do, like, an extensive tour. And there's not me- there's not much reason to. No. At this, like, if you're a big band, you're probably going to make more money in Europe at this point.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. It's... Um... Yeah, because it's um, we have just so many uncertainties at the moment with the UK. And yeah, you're totally right. Like, I just don't think it's... Like, I'm sure everybody wants gigs to come back, but I don't think there's going to be enough of a return for these bands to do it.
0: Yeah. We're basically
1: barely making any return anyway. Right. In the pre-COVID yes. So, I mean, what's it going to be like now? So,
0: <laughs> I mean, it's good that we have such a healthy underground scene here. So I think we'll be okay in that respect. But I think there'll be a lot of fans who are used to... Non UK bands who like tend to go to the bigger gigs and not to the more underground ones who might be at a loose end. Yeah. We might lose those people when it comes to the music scene.
1: Yeah, it's uh, be totally right. It's um, the UK scene's looking good at the moment, and there's uh in one way that's why I'm quite excited about this year's Bloodstock, for example, which is looks like it's 100% going ahead. Yeah, um, because like it'd be great to see like Conjurer on the main stage. Conjurer being the band I've been following for a few years now, I've seen like make big strides, yeah, like to the point where um. You had to queue to watch them at Roadburn. They no played way. one of the side stages connected to. Well, Roadburn's got such a weird setup, but there's like a few stages down the road from the the two main stages. Mm. And um, <laughs> then we had to queue for about forty minutes just to get in. So we only caught like the Damn. last twenty minutes of the set.
0: Wow! So, um,
1: but they're great. I love I love Condra.
0: They won a medal to the masses, didn't they?
1: I think they did. Yeah. yeah,
0: they're one of those. It's like really impressive that they've gone from that to you know, having cues at Roadburn. That's yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, I think they're a bit like Bloodshot Dawn in the sense that they've had a similarish trajectory that, you know, started off with those sort of band-v-band um, band show and then um, kind of catapulted themselves with their uh, technical proficiency.
0: Indeed they did. Shout-out to Bloodshot Dawn.
1: But um, back to Igor. Um, yeah, so many tracks in this album I love. Um, there's one track that I've just... Um, uh, abbreviated to apopath, it's got a really long name. Which... Oh,
0: I tried. I was having fun pronouncing it the other day.
1: Yeah, I don't I've... think
0: I, I had to like practice a few times. Have you got it? <sighs> I don't. I don't have it. No. I'm an idiot. But yeah, um, no, I'll do. I, it, I just... I'll do it off camera because it will just bore everyone else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that was like definitely the, the the heaviest track on the album, and it opens with like. The guitar tone actually sounds similar, and this will get a pop from Shem to like early corn stuff. And I was just like, oh, yeah. I and mean, anything that sounds like early corn is a win in my book. But it's, um, and it's got some of the. Um, oh, no, I don't think that track does have. No, it does have some guest vocals from Travis Ryan, who, as aforementioned, mentioned, is an absolute beast of a, of a death metal vocalist. And um, what I'd like about this album is you've got some tracks like that one, which are predominantly metal, that have small digital alterations and effects. And then you've got another track, like for example, um, the track's called Robert, for example, which Mm. is predominantly an electronic track that has just a smattering of guitars and instrumentation. So they've kind of like flipped it there. So you've got some tracks that are predominantly instrument based with the electronic elements and then vice versa and some of the other tracks. So there's a lot of cool variation and different things going on.
0: That's a really astute observation. Um, The thing I, the main thing I felt listening to this was that, like, I don't know why, but I get this, like, exhilaration from the music. There's a fantastic, like, liberating sense of energy here. And I feel like Gautier really uses, like, when I listen to a lot of electronic music, I feel like people are enjoying making stuff make cool sounds. Whereas with Gautier, I think he's just, he's really using the freedom that, comes with like using computers to manipulate music and he's looking at it from that perspective as opposed to maybe i don't know how he writes but i just feel like he's not just thinking about a melody or not just thinking about a rhythm he's got like a three-dimensional view of the music yeah and then he's applying that to like the extra space that you get and the extra freedom you get with a computer so that you're not like you're not limited by just having instruments, but you are in a way at the same time. So he's, I just find it fascinating that he's got this like part of his brain that can see music in that way. He could, it's like he's got like a four-five or something. I don't
1: know. I am totally, totally, one hundred percent with you on that point because there's one thing he does which I think is super cool, and I think he's only really started doing it with this album. Where I'm mean, like, one of the big things in electronic music that people wait for is that kind of like that big bass drop. Yeah. <laughs> but like he does this really cool thing where he does like the bass drops, but they're kind of like accentuated by like the choral vocal yeah. bits as well as like, and he does it. You hear it quite prominently in the second track, Eud I E U D. Mm-hmm. and um yeah, there's just certain parts like just before it breaks into like almost like an icy black metal riff you have that big bass drop which leads into it so like i totally get what you're saying because it's almost like he's using those elements to bolster the music yeah. and elevate it to something which hasn't really previously been done before because you take a band like berserker for example their first album which had a lot of like even gabba influence which i think gabba electronic music is uh like a certain type of super fast electronic music has a certain bpm that's like super fast and you know but it was very like that first berserker album i love it but it's very jarring like it doesn't yeah. meld well and that's what appeals to that's that's the part of the album that appeals to me is the fact that it sounds so weird and jarring whereas yeah. it doesn't hear, it actually is quite cohesive and like, as Apple mentioned, it bolsters the music and helps kind of elevate it
0: i think it's, it's actually really easy to listen to this album this was definitely the easiest to listen to album of all the three Oh, I think music. so.
1: Definitely much easier to listen to than, than um, Hallelujah, the earlier album. And if anything, I think that the later album was a bit more reserved than this one. It's a bit more... I need to listen to it again. I listened to it once and mm. I wasn't really paying full attention. So I'll give it another chance because I think as it currently stands, this is my favourite Igor album.
0: This is definitely my favourite so far as well. Yeah. I, I I used to listen to them a fair amount. But yeah, of of, of the albums this week as well, I think... We've picked some, like, real um, ones that if you'd never listened to these bands and you, like, came in, you'd be like, the fuck is this shit?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Like, it's, like, honestly, when I listened to Magma, I was just, like, I can see a lot of people really hating this.
0: Yeah, right?
1: But it's just, but I love it that it's, and, and that's not a knock on the band at all, but it's, like, you know, it's just so... And and I'm talking about now, if people listen to it now, they would be like, yeah. the fuck is this shit? But <laughs> like, Let alone in 1973, like, that's just... It blows my mind to think that music like that was around at that time. And that has to be one of the... So sorry to go back to the album again, but it has to be, I'll say this point again, one of the earliest, like, examples of extreme music being used. I think you've got Boris the Spider, the, the, the Who track, which I think had some early pro death growls in it and mike oldfield you know the album tubular bells
0: of course exorcist yeah
1: yeah so it was i can't remember if it was part one or two but one of the parts had like death metal vocals in it as well
0: i didn't realize and it's that super
1: super jar and i'll play it for you guys after this because cool. it sounds really
0: that was what hilarious. 50s late 50s Am tubular I...
1: bells would have been fuck i don't know let me maybe have a Google. 70s 60s as well
0: i thought it was old i uh, mean because <sighs> well, there's that's like um Blah, 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 blah.
1: Mike, I mean, Mike Oldfield's still <laughs> kicking about, I think.
0: Oh, it was 73. I was 20. I was like a good few years out.
1: <laughs> well, that's a thing. That's
0: the same year as this album.
1: Well, that's a crazy thing. So 73, I remember watching the videos, like the origins of like the death growl or something like a it vice sounds like or a, a loud wire video. It a
0: National Geographic show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And it was um, one of the earliest moments they mentioned was as, as as i said the boris the spider track by the who and and that Mike Oldfield the tubular bells track so i reckon this should be added to that list
0: i think it should and i don't know if this came out before um
1: yeah we'll those... have to fact check that shit i'll call mm. snopes oh hell, you know snopes have been discredited now i'll call the other ones oh have they really i can't remember what it was but i think snopes was compromised by something so they're no longer a reputable fact checker snopes
0: has been compromised <laughs> has been compromised. <laughs> sounds like something i'd hear on like yeah, yeah. call of Duty. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Frag out.
0: I mean Snopes was recommended to me by like a freaking conspiracy theorist anti-vaxxer so I was like really? I don't know I, I'm glad. Oh. i glad I don't know anything about Snopes but
1: I think Snopes actively tried to discredit a lot of anti vax theories.
0: That's the thing that's what I heard about them but maybe this guy was like oh because Snopes are legit then you know you can see I'm giving you legit information about aliens so I don't know
1: it was yeah. I mean, Is there a legit information about aliens? I'm there? here aren't yeah. oh, I? Don't could know. be I mean yeah I don't know, man. That Roswell Autopsy footage looked pretty real to me.
0: <laughs> Roswell Autopsy, new death metal band forming in 10, 9. <laughs> that's, just, yeah. that's
1: just the new Blood Incantation album.
0: It's true. It's, it's a good name for an album. We should yeah. just have, like, a little hat and, like, bands can give us, like, one pound and we'll just, like, pull a name out and give them the band name that we've just, like, randomly You're like fired you like a out.
1: random band generator, yeah. That'd be cool.
0: Oh, yeah. You could just yeah.
1: Yeah. Did you ever do that? There was a There's I a did. website and then I got a really shit name and I never... There was something, like like Divine Pain or something to shit like that.
0: Almost certainly is a band now. Though. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Divine's a common...
0: It's like yeah. Spectral Divine. Yeah,
1: Spectral... <laughs> That's divines. my stage name. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to create a band with all the prefixes <laughs> of just every popular band. So it'd be like Morbid, Spectral, Divine, and then just, yeah.
0: Spectral development would be a good name for a band.
1: That is actually a good name. Yeah. Yeah. Can we add that out so I can steal that, please? Yeah. <laughs> Bloop. No. Yeah, but, anyway, but Igor, Savage Sinusoid, great album, love it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's fucking sick. There's harpsichord, there's organ, there's clarinets, there's accordions, there's calliopes, there's computers, there's a chicken man.
1: There's a sitar at one point as well?
0: There is a sitar. Yeah. There is a sitar. It's it's fantastic. It's really interesting. I think it really complements the Magma album as well. It's like kind of a bit of French history there. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we move on? Let's move on to indeed. To something not at all French. No. No. Dark Throne Eternal Hails. Sounds like a meme. I thought it was a joke when I when I heard it was called Eternal Hails.
1: Eternal Hails is like, you know when you get those boomer 80s thrash bands that does like a post on Facebook. And they end so like, the we'll post, "We'll see you out on the road, Eternal Hails." Eternal
0: Hails. <laughs> yeah. and it's got like a, a slash and an M and another slash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. It's spelled brutal with two zeros and
0: brutal. Yeah. But yeah. Um, So
1: what do you think of, so if I'm not mistaken, you haven't forayed too much into Dark Throne, have you?
0: I never actually have listened to Dark Throne until this album. um, Because when I did listen to Black Metal, I thought I was too cool to listen to Dark Throne. Which is pathetic, by the way. Um, And I'm calling myself out on that. But yeah, I I listened to like five minutes of Transylvanian Hunger the other day. And I was like, I can't, I can't listen to this. It's just, it's... it's, it just sounds like being on the northern line between Camden Town and East Finchley. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so oddly specific, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Right? Because <laughs> I've also made that journey, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just as jarring. Yeah, um, yeah it's just, it wasn't my thing, but I do love Fenris. He's my favourite part-time postman.
1: Yeah, he's great. He's a postman cool guy. Fen.
0: Postman Postman man. Um, he's I've just seen a lot of memes of him and he seems like a funny guy and he was cool in Until the Light Takes Us. He, I haven't seen it in like 10 years. So if he says anything problematic, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean it. Um, but he just seems like one of the guys that's not racist, so I thought I'd check him out.
1: Fenris is super cool and the thing is, what I love about Fenris as well you could tell he's such a passionate music fan. He's done this yeah. great. I can't remember. If it was a podcast. there's a radio show. Actually, it's where, called Radio
0: Fenris, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's um, and he just he just always given you know time to these up and coming like Scandinavian or not just Scandinavian extreme metal bands, but just just loads of bands, you know. And um, the interesting thing about Dark Throne as a band as well is you know the their name is synonymous with the extreme metal scene, yeah. much in the same way you know Celtic Frost. Bathory, Venom, you know, like Dark Throne are up there. And you know, and like the analogy I've kind of come up for them is they are like The Undertaker, as in the WWE wrestler, The Undertaker, Mark Calloway of the extreme metal scene. And what I mean by that is they've reinvented themselves so many times to kind of stay relevant or to maintain relevancy that they've, that's what's allowed them to have such a long spanning career. Cause this is like what their 19th album, Mm-hmm. And they've been going since the fucking late 80s, if you're counting their demos and shit. And, you know, much in the same way that The Undertaker did. I'm going to bring this back to WWE <laughs> somewhere. Like, you know, that's what he did. He reinvented his gimmick so many times to kind of to, to keep relevant in the wrestling world. And I feel like and they are doing something very similar because, you know, they have... When you listen to their entire discography, it, it's just, like, it's very genre-spanning. You know, the first album, Subside Journey, is basically a death metal album, right? It's like mm-hmm. dismember worship. And then you've got, obviously, the trifecta of the black metal albums. You've got some albums that are basically cross punk albums. Some just complete straight-up trad albums. Like, um, what's the trad album again? I made a note of it because I knew I'd fucking not remember everything. I'll come back to it later. It's
0: not Transylvanian Hunger.
1: It's one hundred percent not Transylvanian <laughs> hunger. I can, I can guarantee that.
0: That's the only Zark for album I mean, like but, um, um, know apart from this.
1: <laughs> but it's um and yeah, and the this album here I feel like they've started to incorporate some kind of like candle massy, even some Sabbathy, kinda of like yeah. doom elements. And yeah. um and we were talking a little bit about production off camera. This is some of the most subdued production they've ever had on an album, I think.
0: Subdued is a word. Yeah. To describe it, yeah.
1: Because a lot of their albums, as you've said, Transylvanian, Hunger, you know, the, those, those three black metal albums are quite abrasive to listen to, which is part of their charm, you know, like they, is they are the archetypal, you know, rough production black metal albums. Um, but like there's so much more to Dark Throne uh, uh, as, a, as a band and an entity. And I think um, that this is just yet another step in that kind of continuation. Um, the thing is, you could always tell when you listen to their album that they make the music that they want to make.
0: Yeah. Whatever that is at
1: the time, whether that's whether it's crust punk, whether it's traditional heavy metal or whether it's, you know, some more something more doom metal orientated like this album.
0: Hmm. i got like a big black and roll vibe from this.
1: Like, totally I don't know. Yeah. yeah
0: i don't know much about black and roll but I, I did i kind of like i first listened to it through my phone speakers because yeah. i didn't have any like internet on my laptop Start to give
1: it the transylvanian <laughs> hunger experience <laughs>
0: yeah. but, and i like through my phone speakers i was like this is great it's like Motorheady. it's kind of like you know it's got like a good groove um and then i listened to it on a computer and it sounded like uh, my computer speakers had broken I had to check that they had it <laughs> blown. Um, and it was, like, kind of confusing. I think this t- sounds great on a phone speaker. This is, like, a really good thing to put on if you're, like, having a picnic by the river with your friends. You've got some good pizza and sandwiches and you, you have, like, no speakers. So you put something on your phone. This is great. Um, yeah, I, like, I kind of, I like, I feel like Fenris is having fun. I feel like he's probably smiling when he's, like, recording this stuff. And that kind of makes it cool. I, I like that he's not taking it super seriously. Yeah. Not, I don't want all music to sound like this. Absolutely not. I wouldn't like that. But um, I, think, I think that this is kind of like an antidote to... It's like a good thing to listen to after other bands, if that makes sense. And it's good to listen to before listening to other bands. But at the same time, when I'm listening to it, I can kind of... My brain... I feel like I'm listening to the first draft of a demo at times. And my brain... Maybe that's just because I'm like that kind of person who writes music... I just keep wanting to rewrite bits of the album. <laughs> I yeah. keep wanting to like remix it and like put something here and put. I feel like there's stuff missing when I listen to it, but at the same time, it's fascinating because I do feel like it's very raw. It's something I wouldn't normally listen to.
1: Yeah, it's. I think you've hit a lot of nails on the head there. Um, just, I've just cheated and looked up in um, encyclopedia Metalum So it's the underground resistance was the first like trad, pretty much just a trad album um but no thinners one of the um hallmarks of their sound despite the fact that a lot of their albums sound different is they've always employed quite simple um songwriting
0: it's so simple it's yeah. very
1: simple but it's effective you know sometimes Thins don't need to be right like wormed all the time i give a shout out to the spanish <laughs> brutal technical death metal band there but um you know and it, it works for me like you know do i think this is their strongest album no but i do think it's a worthy addition to their discography yeah um, and I think you know, I think for you in particular, it would be worthwhile checking out just a few of the albums, just to see what you think.
0: I want to listen to the 2019 one. That was like a more doomy album, right? Oh,
1: Old Star was great. Yeah, okay. yeah, that was a great album. I had a song in called "The Hardship of the Scots," which is oh, nice. uh, which is just a, just a great track. It's a really good track. The production, I think, you'll really dig the production on that album. Okay, I'm gonna check that out. Um, but um, yeah, that's a really good track. They um, they they've written some great riffs, like. Much in the same way, you know, like a band like say, I'll say Primordial, for example. Like, you know, they they're not they're not trying to write the most the most groundbreaking music, but they write with the right sincere intentions, and it comes across in the music. And mm-hmm. much in the same, like uh, to, to add to your point, you could tell that they're having fun, that they're performing and they're writing the music that they want to, and that's what's always been about for them. Which is why, because you know that they've never played live, or they played maybe I think there's some footage of a couple of live shows like way back when. But, like, they're not a live band. It's purely a musical project. And I think it's, you know, it's bore out of that obsession and that desire to write and play the music they want to play.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I can, I can respect that. Um, I really like that Fenris is a postman so he can listen to music. And I like that he's not embarrassed. I think a lot of people want to, like, preserve some kind of, like, um, atmospheric kind of shamanic kind of thing whereas um Fenris is like yeah I just I like doing the post you know a few days a week and listening to new music and checking it out I think that's yeah. really wholesome
1: yeah I just I think that's kind of what a lot a lot of us kind of want to some extent as a relatively simple life where we could enjoy the things we want to enjoy yeah while doing a job that isn't too demanding or stressful because let's be honest I mean there's a bit of a tangent here the most aspects of a job that are stressful uh, the political and bureaucratic ones yeah as opposed to the actual elements of the job itself right so yeah. and i kind of feel like a post sometimes i think to myself it'd be great to be a postman it's just <laughs> i just wouldn't have thought there'd be that much bullshit involved in it and you get to meet a lot of dogs as well which would be super cool
0: some of them might not be so nice though that's true yeah i don't know you'd have to have like some kind of dog management system if
1: you've seen there's a great compilation video on on uh, youtube of um uh ups drivers in the states meeting doing their their routes or or routes (laughs) um, apologies to any uh, american listeners out there i'm not making fun of um your pronunciation of certain words (laughs) i mean i am but but it's um but no and you get to see them like meeting all their dogs on the journey it's just really wholesome i just fucking love animals that's the point i'm making i love dogs
0: you do, yeah. yeah. yeah and I frogs, dogs, dogs, and frogs. You might see frogs if you're depending on where you are. That'd if, be cool. If you're posting, I do like that aspect. I I, could, I just imagine Fenris walking around like Scandinavian countryside, delivering mail to like cool-looking houses and churches and stuff. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, hmm. Right. Move to Scandinavia, I've become a postman. Join a black metal one-man project band. I guess you can't join a one-man project band. That'd be pretty weird. But this is well, a two-man project band. It's
1: yeah, got Nocturno... Yeah, Nocturno Culto. So he's a, a his longtime collaborator. So he um, does the bulk of the vocals. And I like his vocal style. It's obviously adapted over the years. Like you've got the more screechier stuff on the black metal albums. But it's it's always got that kind of envenomed snarl to it, which I just like. You know, It's a simple vocal style and technique and it works well for the music, and it works well in spanning the different albums that they've done over the years.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I I just... um... I liked... So the first track of the album, I really liked it. It kind of reminded me of Carving a Giant by Gorgorov, which I say whenever any form of black metal is nice to me. Oh,
1: That is one of the best black metal riffs out there. It's Just fucking for the record, great. That's, a, that's a damn good track. It's <laughs> <So. laughs> Shem
0: dropping a fidget spinner. Um, but the thing I actually really like about that track also is the way the vocals interplay with the music. And it's the same with his master's voice. But the thing that confuses me about this track is, track, is that HMV, the brand and chain of shops, is short for his master's, master's voice. Yeah. And I was like, is Fenris making some kind of subtextual reference to HMV here? Do they have HMV in in Scandinavia? Is he, like, aware of this? Because it sounds really cool, but then at the same time, I just got that HMV logo in my head the whole time when I'm listening yeah. to this track.
1: With the dog listening to the, the gramophone. Know.
0: Maybe it's some kind of, like, low-key postal dog um, HMV.
1: Well, it says I don't know the reasoning behind why HMV originally called brand.
0: His master's voice. Brand
1: named that in the first place so
0: i think it's something to do with like didn't the owner have a dog and he had like a gramophone and the dog was like entranced by it and it was like he played the voice of the owner through the gramophone the dog's like oh i should sit i don't know
1: well well, that's pretty cool i never knew that
0: i I might be making it up That's just i I literally found i was moving house and i found like a 30 year old vinyl player in the attic and it was an hmv one and it's got like the picture of the dog looking into the gramophone like cocking its head yeah so I thought that was... Uh, ah, it's cool.
1: Yeah. Well, even if that's not the case, that's what I'm going to take as fact from now that on. That it's the same.
0: It's canon no. now. Or head canon, whatever the um, fucking term is.
1: There's one track I really liked um, called The Lost Arcane City of Upakra. Yeah,
0: that was a cool track. Yeah. Is that the last one?
1: That is the, second the to last. last track
0: i really i was yeah this track is really cool because of the lyrics right
1: yeah yeah it was just super cool and um, i mean i'm presuming you've done a bit of research on the city and I, stuff
0: i didn't do the research on the city but i did google i did google translate the last verse
1: oh i didn't do that so what was what was the google translate saying so the last verse? um
0: the i think is it what is it sung in is it swedish am i like
1: they're I, norwegian No,
0: Norwe- they're norse okay I can't believe I thought it was Swedish. I'm just used to the little bubbles meaning Swedish, um, but it, it translates. The, the, the track is about them being like "fuck Christ," like don't come over here and convert us and like ruin our culture. Um, but the last track is in the native language, so it's like "haha, you didn't get us." And they're saying "grain and water, meat and bones, marshes keep the soul pure. Freedom strengthens the glistening hill. We must never reach Christ." But it could just be shitty Google Translate. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But- Google Translate seems to be pretty spot on. They never make any mistakes, do they? (laughs) Not once. (laughs) So, an interesting fact is that there's a church in this city, uh, a Christian church built on top of an old medieval one. Mm. So, I think there's quite a lot of that in Scandinavia. I think I'm not too well versed in in that. It's common in in
0: many countries with churches. They're usually built on old um, holy sites to, like, for syncretic reasons, to make people just go back to the holy site and then be like, oh, fuck, I'll just say Christ, but I'm here at my old.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fucked when you think about it, right? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. fucked. It's um, maybe that was one of the um, reasons behind the whole church burnings and stuff. Mayhaps. perhaps. Amongst other strange going ons around about that time.
0: There are church burnings currently happening in Canada for different reasons right
1: now. Is that to do with the um, with the the First Nations citizens and stuff? Indeed. That's some wild shit, man. That is some really brutal.
0: Fucking.
1: It, it's funny because, sorry to interrupt, but like, you. you, you people often talk about um the um the indigenous like massacres and genocides in the states but like in canada it's just as bad right
0: yeah absolutely yeah, yeah it's horrific like the there were some really fascinating documentaries on it that you can watch and it's I, it's like a, i can't remember what the term is but it's like a hole it's like a hole in the history of um american indians and things like that and yeah it's just it's like systematic genocide like cleansing of culture like erasing people's identities and and the things that people had to experience the trauma that's like unspoken is like it's, it's so disgusting so I'm completely behind the people who are like you know protesting by burning churches and because you know at the end of the day like, if you just go and stand in the street and hold a sign, no one's going to do anything. Some, like We're just told that's the way we're supposed to protest because yeah. nothing changes when we do it that way.
1: And now we can't even do that make a noise anymore, apparently. Yeah,
0: you can't but, even just be silent anymore in no. this country if Crazy. you're protesting, yeah. Crazy times. Sure is. But anyway, speaking of protesting, I do know that Fenris um, turns down an award... Because he didn't want to um, be playing into the glitz and glamour of show business, because he got an award for uh, Sardonic something or other. So yeah. Sardonic verses is it that the album? I literally pulled out of my notes because I'm a genius. Um,
1: Sardonic wrath. I had it Sardonic in my head. Wrath. I should have went with my gut because I was thinking. I'm gonna look like an idiot if I say and it's wrong, but I'm like fuck it. I'm the
0: idiot. I I I look like the idiot because I'm making the mistakes, I'm letting you correct me. So you (laughs) look really you look great and I don't, which is good because that's how that's just how it's going and that's cool. But I like that they did that. Um that they don't it was a Norwegian alarm award or an NAA, nah, for sardonic (laughs) (laughs) wrath. Sorry, that was just Nah nah. (laughs) (laughs) Nah 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 nah. Sorry. Um yeah. They had no no interest in in being on that side of the music industry, which is like, um, I think I wouldn't do that. I think I'd take the award and be like, fuck yeah. So respect to Fenris for being that like integ- having that much integrity.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's a very Fenris thing to do. I mean, he's certainly such a proponent for the underground scene. But funny enough, Satyricon, which actually Nocturnal Cult on, um played bass on a few Satyricon albums. Mm. Um, they performed at the Norwegian Grammys once. No so, way. Uh, black Crow and the Tombstone. I think it was that track anyway. I actually was, know that
0: uh, track. That's catchy as hell. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a really good... Yeah, that was... Yeah, yeah SotiroCon done a great job of kind of transitioning into a really kind of commercially viable black and roll style. And they got a lot of shit for it. But I actually really dig that, that stuff. I think it yeah. sounds super cool. You know, two types of music. You get good music, you get bad music. You know what I mean?
0: You're going to get something. shit for anything. Yeah, yeah,
1: especially in the black metal scene. But <laughs> no, yeah, so they performed it live at the Norwegian Grammys and I thought that was pretty, like, I remember my mind being a little bit blown by that because it's just always so weird to see, like, uh, hard-hitting music represented in any form in any of those sort of music ceremonies, like, everyone's like... It always... i tell you what always baffles me, how people get really pissed off when metal is snubbed at the Grammys. It's just like, like, anyone gives a shit... About the Grammys, anyway, like it, like it, like there's any real music or artistic merit in it. Like, it, does it really matter that metal isn't represented there? When it'd, it's be, such a...
0: it'd be nice to get one, but it's like really not that big a deal. At the nah. same time, it's, it was. Did you see the video of when High on Fire got it, and there was like no one in the room because they do all that stuff before all the celebrities turn up.
1: Oh, Okay, was it? Yeah, because they've got all those awards for yeah, 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 like the it's... pre the pre uh, televised crowd. Awards, right? Yeah,
0: I was so happy for the, for the High and Fire got one because it was cool that they got recognised in that way. But at the same time, it was really sad to see like five people in this like huge room that like all the celebrities would be sitting yeah. in like a few hours later. But hey,
1: yeah, and you know, on, on on a similar note, I tell you what, what's another great way of recognition? Like fucking um, allowing the bands to make some money. Look at you, Spotify, you Can motherfuckers! You
0: imagine, but, um, imagine like record deals that favoured the bands. Maybe
1: should add out that Spotify bits <laughs> on Spotify. <laughs> oh yeah shit
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: but no but you know i mean like there's, there's people they can't make a fucking living off this industry it's very hard right yeah i mean, I mean you guys have done uh, you're managed very well though i feel like we have great we have great
0: well. management i've got yeah. to say we have an <laughs> incredible manager <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> which does help right i feel like to, yeah. to to kind of make it in the scene you've got to have that kind of the you business have to smarts, be right? yeah. you have
0: to be organized and you you've got to like um First off, like finding an external manager that's good is fucking difficult. I think there's like one or two people I would ever allow to manage this band apart yeah. from me because I guess I'm that kind of a freak. But um, yeah, you, you've got it in like I enjoy admin. I enjoy managing. So I don't think that's common in a band. And I think that um, that can be difficult for people who don't like Doing that stuff, who don't like making spreadsheets and researching things and contacting people and getting yeah. rejected. Like I fucking thrive on that shit. I love yeah. being I love being ignored. It, yeah. Ignore me, reject me, <laughs> I'll come back. Um, but it, you know, it, that's the kind of shit you have to go through. It's like that horrible J.K. Rowling um, submitting to like 50, 100 different publishers before her trash book got published. So like, it's the same with your band. You got to just yeah. do a Harry Potter and not be a tough, and it will work out probably eventually if you just keep. Hammering at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's an impressive way to segue um, to, to <laughs> fucking crowbar J.K. Rowling into that.
0: <laughs> sorry, J.K. Well, I'm not sorry. Um, uh, sorry, Warner Brothers. I don't know. Um, but yeah, what was I saying? What was I talking about? Management.
1: Band management.
0: Band management. Why were we talking about that?
1: don't know.
0: Oh, uh, getting money. Yeah. Self managing is a fantastic way to get money as a band. And also having, like, um, clear boundaries of money and investment structures and, like, how you're going to divide returns and stuff. It's easy for me. It's pretty much all my money. So yeah. I keep most of it and then put most of it actually just back into the band anyway. Yeah. And then, yeah. like, that's just less drama that way. It's easier. Yeah.
1: But great advice. And yes. also back to Dark Throne Eternal Hails. Dark Dark so- Throne! Yeah, so the last track was my favorite track of the album. Um, it's got some really cool, kind of like spacey synths towards the end that kind of uh, mm. uh, kind of complement the kind of more melodic break of the uh, the, latter, the latter part of that track. That kind of reminds me a bit of kind of like Latter Day Enslaved as well. Yeah, obviously uh, Country Mates. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's some there's some great riffs on this album. You know, like I said, it's not my favorite Doctor album of all time, but it's. It's got a lot of the hallmarks of what makes this project so good is definitely present on this album. Like simple but effective songwriting and just, um, you could just tell that just like I said before, that they're just enjoying playing this music and they're just writing whatever the fuck they want to. Just so happens this time around, they want to write something a bit more doomier and who knows, next album will probably be different and we shall see. But I enjoyed it.
0: I enjoyed it too i like that they're not constrained by the expectations of people around them which i can imagine at times can be very like high and yeah. that's a lot of pressure to deal with when you're already that that much of like a meme i mean i hope he just has an eternity of great fridays
1: yeah um, it's it's funny though because that's that's quite that's why a lot of metal fans could be quite fickle sometimes Like you take a band like a, a bit of a bit of a curveball here take a band like Suicide Silence the Def Corp band like mm-hmm. they released something that was more akin to a New Metal album you remember that whole theme with the whole uh, like the Doris Angel. was one of the tracks I think but oh, don't even get me started on Morbid Angel <laughs> and that album that album is fucking terrible yeah, fucking I Am Morbid oh my god what Radical was the other track that was
0: radical. oh wow <laughs> Killer Cop god Yeah.
1: so <laughs> that Suicide Silence album Was like had a lot of new metal influences and elements to it, and like the backlash was and ridicule was monumental to the point that the next album they just start playing deathcore again. So I think it just shows that you know the fickleness of certain fandoms is enough to steer a band to a sound that they don't want to explore. Mm. And I think that's that's quite a shitty thing. Which is why it's good that you've got a band like Darkthrone, for example. Like you said, they're just writing whatever the fuck they want to. They don't care about the fact that they've got three legendary black metal albums you know, that's not the music they want to write anymore. Yeah. And, you know, it might have turned off a segment of their fans, but at the end of the day, I think in the long run, people will appreciate an artist for doing something that they want to do because it just sounds that much more sincere at the end of the day.
0: I think um, I'm going to watch Until the Light Takes Us again after this.
1: I've, I've never seen it. Is that the one with... Um, no. with that, that's the one with, um, what's his name? Um, Gal in the whole Satan thing. The Satan thing, right? thing.
0: I think yeah. so. Oh my God, we should do like a, a Floyd reaction video <laughs> oh episode.
1: God. You should have done a Floyd reaction video to fucking. Um, um, I've forgotten the name of the film because I've erased it from my head.
0: <laughs> chaos, Lords of Chaos. Lords
1: of Chaos. You should, yeah. We should do
0: like a group reaction video. Yeah. It's just us screaming.
1: I just stood up about halfway through and I was just like, I've had enough of this shit.
0: <laughs> it's like, so bad. I watched like 20 minutes, the bit where you like, was it like. Is that a is that a scorpion's patch? And he like rips it. I was like, what the fuck is this? Is so lame. And he's yeah. like, they like looking in mirrors, being like, teenage. What are you doing? What are you pointing? No, scorpion. Oh, scorpion. Is that is that a scorpion's patch? It's, and he's just like, no. <laughs> and he just like comes back. And he's like, it's just. Oh. Like, well, they're sitting in like KFC and like chewing each other out. It's like the dumbest. Oh
1: fuck! I mean, it's just. Ah, oh, it's just. I, I. I think the whole. um On a more serious note as well, they did not handle the whole um, dead, suicide-thin tastefully at all as well. It was,
0: like, goofy the way they handled it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, to be fair, the suicide note he left was goofy. Wasn't he, like, sorry I ruined your...
1: Something, yeah. Yeah, he was,
0: like, sorry I I didn't ask to borrow the gun and ruined your carpet. I can't remember what it was. But it was, like, a really... It was, like, there was, like, a dark humour to the suicide note. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think that yeah, that's legit as well. I think, but you know, that that story's never interested me as it has a lot of other fans because I always thought it was all just a bit fucking stupid, to be honest.
0: If, yeah, it's like I thought it was really distasteful. I get, I get why when you're a teenager you think that's cool, but it's like. You had taken the picture and, like, the shards of the skull. Didn't, didn't, like, one of the shards sell on eBay for, like, £1,200?
1: Well, I $1. think it's hotly contested that the shards then even existed in the first place. Oh, yeah. Like, I think it was just random. Some people have said it's just random chicken bones. that It probably is. Said, which probably, I mean, you know. Yeah,
0: because I, I think mean, the skull, like, first off, I don't, I don't want to talk about this, but it would be very difficult to, um, like, you know, drill through bone. Also, it's really bad for you.
1: Yeah, and I'm not be funny. Um, looking at pictures of Euronymous, I mean, he, he didn't look like the most uh, well-built.
0: <laughs> Isn't he dummy thick?
1: <laughs> no, that was that was that was edited.
0: Oh, was it actually edited? Yeah, that was an edited photo to make was him real. look thicker. No, no, he wasn't. He wasn't, wasn't like dummy
1: thick. That was someone that edited it for some reason. <laughs>
0: for real, I was like, <laughs> was every time know? I see that. <laughs> Every time I see his like Kardashian booty, yeah. I'm like, damn, what are he doing? How how you he do damn, that? She
1: got that Euronymous booty, <laughs> um, but no, um nah, he was pretty weedy, um, so oh, I don't think damn. he would have. But no, nah, but, but fuck, what a, what a clusterfuck that whole situation was.
0: This whole time, this whole time, I thought Euronymous was just this like hunky bane. Yeah.
1: Nah, not at all. I said, nah.
0: <laughs> <That's so
1: funny.
0: laughs> I just thought he looked like that. I was actually like, how do, you, how do you buy jeans in the nineties that fit? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, no, that's edited.
0: <laughs> it doesn't look edited. <laughs> Man, I'd be so easily catfished if I was a guy. <laughs> but it's, that sh- it's the
1: shitty little feather duster moustache that does crop it as top. well. But that is so Anyway, cute. I'm not going to rag with him too much because he's dead, but I mean, oh, but yeah. whatever the fuck. I mean, but it's funny because you got acts like Enslaved, uh, Immortal, and Dark Throne, who are all Norwegian bands that kind of just didn't get involved in any of that. Mm-hmm. And look where it's got them. They've got glittering careers. Yeah. They're revered. I and mean, obviously Abba has had his issues recently he's just like the goofy abuse.
0: uncle of black metal
1: yeah and his interviews are the best
0: oh he's so great yeah maybe we should interview him at some point
1: that would be wild
0: yeah just
1: so to make sure he takes like a giant like speedball before well not make sure because that sounds like we're <laughs> coercing him into taking drugs but not like he needs much coercion. but um
0: i love it watching you try to dig yourself out this house oh no it's just, it's
1: just so bad but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna stop and say that interview he'd done with, I think it was Sam Dunn.
0: It was with Headbangers, yeah. Headbanger TV. That was a yeah. hilarious
1: one, man. Oh, just the, uh, Iconic. Just the bit where he just goes, living on the edge. <laughs> just cracked me up. <laughs> but.
0: I think this is the point where we get really hot and ramble. Yeah, and then... so
1: I think this is a good time to call it a day.
0: I think so. I think uh, anyone who's watching or listening, if you've got this far, mad respect. Ten out of ten. You've done a great job. Thank you for bearing with us. Feel free to recommend any albums that we should listen to. Maybe we should start reviewing some films as well. We should maybe look at some documentaries and things. Yeah, that might be
1: a good idea. Yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Um.
0: So yeah, like, shove us some recommendations. We're gonna check out whatever you like. We've I found White Ward through this method of YouTube commenters. So. I fucking
1: love White Ward, by the way. They're great. They dropped a new track recently. I need to yeah. listen to it. But
0: exciting and also that new um spectral law single dropped uh was it Miss- Mistress? Mistress was like a mistress. side
1: project sort of that was really chaotic really reminded me of a, a canadian group called um cephalectomy they've got like really poorly produced um um electronic drums but the music is fucking wild
0: nice
1: um, i'll let you listen to it at some point
0: Thank you for allowing me that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll allow you to listen to it, all right? I've been gatekeeping this band for years, all right? You said it was no, so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'll permit it.
0: <laughs> I will allow it. Um, yeah, no, this, this new Mistress Tack oh, I can't fucking say. It's really good. It's like a, I, I, it's really chaotic. It's actually quite difficult to listen to, but I enjoyed that. It's got a cool logo, cool cover. Um, and there's like, a, I feel like, I'm not sure if this is the case, but it feels like they do like an Eastern scale and a western scale at the same time in the track and they're both like playing slightly different things and it just sounds really weird and unusual
1: yeah it's uh i've got to listen to it again but it's um yeah that's definitely one we'll keep an eye on i think
0: i think so we may be reviewing a full album of that band soon but anyway thank you so much for listening and watching please like and subscribe feel free to throw us some some support and we'll see you soon
1: until next time
0: bye bye